0: Hey, this is Todd from the future. We had a little hiccup in our podcast release schedule for October with the release of our instant reaction for the Dragon Ball Dima trailer. But we are back on track. To help clarify our release schedule for everyone, expect to find instant transmission podcast episodes on your favorite podcasting platform every other Monday at 6 a.m. Central Time. This episode will be released Monday, November 13th, in the afternoon due to editing delays, but expect regular bi-weekly releases Monday morning following part one of the Frieza arc. And if you want to help Dayton and I with our content releases, editing, and filling our say in bellies, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ITDBpodcast. ITDBpodcast stands for Instant Transmission Dragon Ball Podcast. I promise it's not confusing at all. Once more, that's patreon.com slash itdbpodcast. We really appreciate your guys' support. You can also find us on Twitter or X or whatever Elon Musk has decided to call it nowadays at x.com slash itdbpodcast. Now, back to your regularly scheduled Dragon Ball content.
1: Hello and welcome to Instant Transmission, a podcast where we discuss everything Dragon Ball and why giving characters power levels was great for content creators. Things are really starting to heat up on Namek as our heroes find themselves face to face with the universe's greatest warriors, the Ginyu Force. With no hope of escape and their hope of their wish slipping away, things are looking quite grim. Strike your most devilish pose and strap on your Saiyan battle armor, because we're about to start round one of Dragon Ball Kai's Frieza arc. I'm your host, Dayton, and once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Todd. Hi! Tonight, we'll be covering Kai's episodes 31 through 39, as our heroes find themselves hanging on to life by a thread. After allying with the most unlikely of characters, Vegeta, the evil prince of all Saiyans, our heroes lie battered and beaten by the hands of Raccoon. Captain Ginyu has secured all seven Dragon Balls, and Lord Frieza is just one summon of the Eternal Dragon away from immortality. Goku is about to step foot on the Namek surface, but he doesn't have much time before he loses his best friend, son, and the wish they all sacrificed so much to try and attain. And with all of that covered, was there anything you wanted to add before we got things started, Todd?
0: No, I'm ready to jump into the Ginyu Force shenanigans.
1: Oh my gosh, me too. Well, the Ginyu Force shenanigans start off on episode 31, which is Son Goku finally arrives. Knock the Ginyu special squad around. And I love the names of some of these episodes because it's you're taking a grim situation and making it feel kind of silly.
0: I mean, especially given the scene that we start with here because we basically start the episode with Goku arriving on scene to find his five-year-old son with a broken neck
1: yeah it's kind of a he sensed the danger that everyone was in arrives his son has a broken neck his best friend is basically broken i think every bone in his body is what he said but thank god there are sensu beans because it makes everything better
0: (laughs) i mean this is a great scene uh, goku kind of flies in the ginyus are like who the fuck is that and goku just completely ignores the bad guys here i love watching goku just walk pat or fly past Rakum, completely just disregarding him and Rakum's talking at him and goku just has no response he's focused solely on gohan in this moment as he picks him up and feeds him a bean
1: Yeah, the the Ginyu Force are kind of in disbelief at at the stones on this guy who just showed up. And we get kind of, I would say, the weirdest moment that happens not long after this. Because after Goku gets up his friends, we see him kind of catch up on everything. And he does so by reading Krillin's mind.
0: I feel like we've talked about this briefly before, but... This is so wild. I kind of like the way they approach it in Kai because Goku even expresses, didn't really know if that would work, but thought I'd try it. It kind of feels, (laughs) I mean, it feels like the way that he learned the Kamehameha, right? Like he saw King Kai do this a few times or communicate psychically. So he's like, ah, I could probably do it.
1: That seems like I could do it. I felt like I could do it, so I did it. (laughs) I mean, I guess that is Goku-esque, but it's also very bizarre because that's not, I don't consider that to be something like fighting related, but I guess, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't know. I guess you could maybe consider it a technique, but it's a bit of a stretch even in that. Uh, but this is going to be the first and last time we ever see Goku read somebody's mind.
1: <laughs> he just did it once. Cause it was neat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that happened. Uh, cool. Uh, But we do have um, kind of a internal debate between Goku and Krillin and Gohan about what to do with Vegeta. And ultimately, they decide that even though Vegeta has been kind of their enemy for most of the time that they've known him, he's done unspeakable damage to their planet, killed their friends in this dire situation, he's kind of an ally they need. And Goku decides to throw a sensu bean over to him.
0: I think Goku even kind of rationalizes it saying that, you know, if not for Vegeta, Krillin and Gohan would probably be dead right now. Absolutely. And, I mean, he's right. I- admittedly. I mean, while Vegeta is not a friend, he's kind of a necessary ally.
1: Yeah. And it's at this point that we get to see, Full, full confidence, just full erection Goku, just step forward and claim that he's going to take on all the Ginyu Force members by himself at this point. And there's a really cool little bit of internal dialogue by Vegeta as he kind of measures Goku and what he's doing and relating him to where he last saw him on planet Earth. And... I like this because one, it's kind of a, you know, a Goku pump up. It's kind of neat. But the other thing is that it shows Vegeta's kind of attention to detail and that veteran fighter savvy is he picks out every little thing that he sees.
0: And I mean, Vegeta, this is a testament to kind of what you're saying, Dayton, how great of a fighter Vegeta is and a, a experienced warrior, but also how good he's getting not only at like visually reading people that's probably something he's had for a while but sensing people's energy uh and it it's a combination of things here for vegeta right it's it's the visual it's sensing goku's just attitude towards the situation he seems very confident and i mean the ginyu force feels like this guy's a chump they're like oh you know this guy's you know what's he going to do against us we're the ginyu force we're the best fighters in the universe and then they even get a reading on goku's power level at five thousand
1: and the thing that cracks me up though is that i loved vegeta's little internal dialogue and then he gets to the end and he's like so he's a super saiyan and i just kind of died laughing inside
0: It's amazing. I mean, we've had multiple people mention Super Saiyans at this point, right? I think Frieza mentioned it at one point. And it's kind of funny because they treated it as if it's like this big space legend. Like a bunch of people in space have heard about the legendary Super Saiyan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. Part of it is just the team four star memes just come rolling in every time I hear it. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of refreshing. I like having fun with it. But yeah, we get to see Goku and the bravado that we normally don't see. We even see him tell Raccoon that he doesn't even stand a chance. And this is 100% true because when the Jolly Giant charges towards Goku, Goku moves at such unbelievable speed that he not only avoids Raccoon's attack, but he surprises Jace and Birder, who's supposed to be the fastest in the universe.
0: Yeah, he just appears right behind our two higher-ranking Ginyu Force members, and as they kind of launch their own brief attack against Goku, Goku similarly, just in the blink of an eye, teleports, or seemingly teleports to their eyes, away from them, away from their attacks, and back into the fight with Raku.
1: (laughs) So, I, I believe we referred to these kinds of moments as a measuring stick moment um a little bit of a spoiler this episode of instant transmission is going to be measuring stick moment after measuring stick moment there are so many this bout
0: yeah 100 percent. because we've already seen raccoon beat up gohan krillin and even vegeta and we know vegeta at this point is stronger than Zarbon, stronger than Dodoria, has beat both of them, uh, Frieza's kind of right-hand men, has easily dispatched Goldo, uh, arguably the weakest member of the Ginyu Force, but still a member of the Ginyu Force, and has put up a pretty good fight against Raccoon, and now Goku is treating Raccoon as if he's standing still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: and it's... I mean, we even get moments where Goku's speed is causing Rakum to like spin like a wily coyote cartoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, and as Goku dodges multiple attacks from Rakum, he eventually Rakum eventually says, "Oh, you know, I've got an attack just for people like you. It's gonna take you out and all three of your friends. And just as he's getting ready to charge at Goku with this attack, Goku leaps in, elbowing Raccoon in the torso and takes him out with a single blow.
1: Yeah. And this is the person who was able to take on Gohan, Krillin and Vegeta all at once. And we've seen Vegeta go through multiple power level jumps since this point. So we know he's a big deal and Goku's just on a completely different planet. And Jason Berter, they, they don't believe what they've seen. They they can't believe that Raccoon was beaten so easily, but they do decide that if they're going to win, they're going to have to take this guy on together.
0: Yeah, it's a it, it's an interesting scene as they kind of dissect the blow to Raccoon too, because they, Jason Berger, are saying, "Oh, he just you know he just tapped him. He got he lightly hit Raccoon, and then Vegeta once more, it being kind of the expert fighter, is." expressing how goku's blow delivered such force through raccoon's entire body it's kind of a cool breakdown of this uh, of this simple attack it feels like they try here to keep some of the elements of like the original dragon ball where there's still kind of a breakdown of the fighting uh even though these guys are you know far beyond traditional martial arts at this point
1: yeah and i I do like it because it's at this point they still don't have a read in Goku's power level. They check their scotters, it says five thousand yet he's throwing around tens of thousands of power level like it's child's play,
0: yeah, I mean we've got an idea that R- raccoon probably falls in the ballpark of like forty 000 to fifty thousand maybe uh and Goku takes him out with ease and so Jason and Birder jump into the fray here. Uh, they're going to take on Goku together. And as they kind of leap into action, Goku quickly starts putting the hurt on them, (laughs) punches Jace right in the nose, and then delivers his own counterattack as they try to attack Goku.
1: Yeah, and as they try to attack, Goku is, I mean, they're not landing a single punch on him, and he's dodging everything. And there's this really cool pause where Goku just emits key around him just knocking everything back you just see it's not even like a blast it's just his the pure force of his key emanating from his body and it's able to knock jace and birder back in this big dusty wind push i don't it's really cool and it kind of speaks to the power of goku stop Goku time <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I I really love that scene. I I mean he, the way that he blocks both their attacks, sweeps underneath them, and just blasts them away with ki. It's a really cool visual, uh, and this is you know further expressing that Goku is not only stronger than raccoon but easily stronger than Jace and Berter. And so they decide to whip out their special duo technique uh
1: the seizure procedure
0: yeah i don't even remember what they call it in this like <laughs> it has so many different names but it's the purple ball of death or something
1: it's a pretty unremarkable attack
0: yeah they basically spin and shoot a bunch of little key blasts at goku and uh goku uses his aura to deflect or block them all basically
1: yeah and we're just goku is just emanating this energy and i even believe that somewhere in here there's a moment where vegeta points out that what goku is doing is at the most important moment he's raising his power level to maximum heights but then bringing back down so quickly that if you weren't paying attention or if you didn't have a trained eye you wouldn't even know he was doing it
0: yeah it's 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 efficiency in terms of his fighting and his energy use, right? Which and I
1: love, because remember, he learned that stuff from Mr. Popo on the lookout.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. That's a good callback to the tail end of the original Dragon Ball, where Goku did so much mental training and efficiency training. Uh, and so this turns into Jason Birder communicating over their scouters and kind of coming up with a plan, birder telling Jace, Hey, use your crusher ball. And then as soon as he dodges it, I'll grab him from behind. Uh, Cause he's going to have to dodge it. And then the moment that Jace decides, okay, you know, I'll throw my red crusher ball at him. Uh, Goku doesn't seem to be moving out of the way. In fact, Goku decides not to move out of the way at all and deflects the key blast directly at birder.
1: Yeah. And this just infuriates them. Birder's pissed off at this point and goes in on the attack and Jace kind of reluctantly follows in. And we've got this little skirmish that's happening and Goku's just playing around. He's having fun with them. It even hits a point where he causes them to strike each other and look quite silly
0: yeah it's it's pretty fun uh and they they have to kind of calm themselves down um in order to even continue fighting so they're not fighting amongst themselves, but as Goku kind of gives them one last chance to basically back off uh they they continue to attack and Goku goes on the offensive as he kicks Birder in the chest and then elbows him to the ground flying underneath murder to catch him in a very similar visual to the moment that he took out Napa on earth.
1: Yeah. And this, I mean, this almost feels like an episode of one punch man or something like that. It's, it's two people fighting somebody just way out of their league. And it's also, I mean, like I said earlier, it's a measuring stick moment for Goku to see where he's, he's kind of at now, because this is, goku's kind of big unveiling after doing all that training on a spaceship
0: have we i'm trying to think have we gotten any sort of in dragon ball z up to this point or kai i suppose have we gotten any sort of like beatdown that has been this
1: extreme like where the um the the power levels are so distant from each other that it's not even a fight
0: Yeah, so drastic. I mean, of course, the Frieza's force like slaughtering the Namekians, I suppose. But in terms of an actual fight, I mean, Nappa certainly outclassed our Z fighters, but it wasn't, it didn't feel this extreme to me.
1: I mean, we've, it's not as extreme, but it is comparable in, I guess you could say, brutality with Vegeta's kind of hunting down of all of, Freezes henchmen that tracking them down one by one, cornering them and just eliminating them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um yeah, in terms of like actual fights, though, this is one of the one of the larger gaps that we see for sure. But I think with birder out of the way, that mostly wraps up that episode.
1: Yeah, I think that brings us over to episode 32, which is the star performer takes the stage, Captain Ginyu versus Son Goku. And this is this one picks up with Goku offering peace to Jace, giving him a chance to grab his friends and get out of there. And Jace, I think, only got half the message because he gets out of there.
0: Yeah, he he just dips right out, leaves Berger behind. Uh, I mean, leaves Raccoon behind, too. And Vegeta takes the moment to capitalize on this and is not willing, like Goku, to give any mercy as he slams his knees down into Birder's throat, closing the, his throat off, and then blasts Raccoon into oblivion.
1: I love bad Vegeta. I love that he's, he's a bad dude. He's ruthless. He's killed countless people on an innumerable number of planets. He is a killer. And I love that they don't pull the punches with him. He's here to do a job, it's tactically advantageous to make sure that these two don't get back up and he doesn't hesitate to take care of them. I love it.
0: Would you even say he's a bad man? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, this is some of my favorite Vegeta. It, I mean, honestly, his, his logic is sound and, and we're actually going to see coming up, Goku's willingness to uh, show mercy kind of bite him in the ass here because uh, the Ginyu force is not finished as our our Z fighters kind of collect themselves they determine how they're going to move forward and while they seem confident in Goku's ability to take on the Ginyu force they're also trying to figure out shit guys uh, do they make a wish on the Dragon Balls? Uh, cause you know, we kind of need the Dragon Balls.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a brief discussion. They, they know that Frieza has all seven at this point because Captain Ginyu brought them back. But if the Dragon Ball here, Dragon Balls here are anything like the ones on earth, then the sky should have become dark and overcast. And it should have been obvious if the Dragon Balls were used And they're able to kind of piece together that while they have the Dragon Balls, they don't think that they've been used because they don't have whatever key or whatever they need to actually summon the dragon. So they have some time right now.
0: Yeah, and we we kind of get a brief scene of Jace making his way back to Captain Ginyu, telling him what's going on. They bury the Dragon Balls outside of Frieza's ship to kind of hide them. And then Ginyu and Jace quickly arrive on the scene with Goku, Vegeta, and friends. And Captain Ginyu's now here to kind of show this newcomer who's boss.
1: Yeah, and there's there's also this kind of ticking time bomb element in the background too though, because they also realize that Frieza is headed towards the Grand Elder while this is going on. And uh, they also know that the Grand Elder is the creator of the Dragon Balls. So if Frieza kills the Elder, then nobody's getting any wishes and their whole trip out of here or out to here was in vain.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would basically result in lots of people dying for no reason. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Man, I love it. There's always so much tension in the air and and on Namek. It's, It's fantastic. I love this series so much.
0: Yeah, the the Namek arc is excellent, or the Namek and now Frieza arc, I guess. Uh, Yeah, Frieza arc.
1: Being on Namek, everything on Namek.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And (laughs) this kind of keeps the tension moving forward as we're now about to see what the captain of the Ginyu Force has to offer in a fight as he's kind of sizing up Goku, telling Jace, well, it's obvious that he can hide and lower his power level uh it's it's clear i mean it's funny because Jason and birder are almost treated as if they're kind of i don't know amateurs as far as fights go but captain ginyu expresses himself in a way that makes him feel like a veteran in combat i like that part about it
1: Yeah, I like it too. And he even gives estimates. He's just like, well, just by looking at him, I would imagine his power level is at least 60,000. And, you know, this, he's really showing why he's the captain, right? He's being in charge. He's telling the others, you know, this is what you got wrong. This is what you weren't looking for. And I mean, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. But the most interesting part is that we now have, um, what should actually be a threat to Goku, on the scene, we have the next measuring stick for Goku to go up against.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because we really don't have a great idea as to how strong he is. We just know he's damn strong. Uh he kind of tells Gohan and Krillin to go find Balma, go find the dragon radar so that they can track down the dragon balls. Uh, so they dip out. And then he asks Vegeta, hey, you know, why don't you take on Jace? I'll take on Ginyu and we'll kinda 2v2 this. Uh, But Vegeta has other plans.
1: Yeah, pretty much as soon as Goku's done game planning, Vegeta laughs at him and then just flies off to, I guess, follow his own selfish ambitions. And Goku's not given much time to replan because as soon as Vegeta gets out of there, Captain Ginyu launches himself in and Goku's caught flat-footed.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, Ginyu delivers a heavy elbow to Goku's face and then just starts the assault. I mean, we get a, a fun little exchange between them and this is not one-sided. This kind of feels like a good back and forth. In fact, at the very beginning, it almost feels like captain Ginyu has the edge, uh, having kind of caught Goku off guard, but as they trade blows back and forth, uh, Ginyu showing himself that he's, he's resourceful there's kind of a fun little scene where he flies towards a cliff and then spins around a tree and kicks goku up into the air and then they they take a brief break from the fight to kind of uh, talk and size each other up
1: well one thing i want to mention about this fight is that it they just depict movement really well during this fight you have really cool kind of panning shots as the two are fighting. And then you have moments where Goku's knocked back and you see him kind of stop himself on the water as waves crash up behind him. Um, And then there's just a couple scenes where um, they're attacking each other and Goku's kind of impacting the ground as they're moving across. There's, there's just a few shots where you get this sense of, of, I don't know, just, the, the how quickly they're moving and how quickly the battle moves and it's animated well i like the sense of of movement in this little sequence
0: i definitely agree with you it, this one this one feels fun and we had talked last time about since we're watching kai it's cutting out a lot of filler and you can feel for dayton and i who have watched the original dragon ball z You can feel that the fights are much shorter, much more condensed and take up fewer episodes. I did go in, not for this fight, but the fight right before this with Jason Berger. And I watched, I compared it to the original Dragon Ball Z. They do cut out a lot, but it's a lot of, it's kind of fluff. Uh, they, They cut out any like extra flashy fists, like the speed lines and stuff like that. But then they also cut out like, just jason berger kind of like dashing at goku it feels in this fight too like they probably cut out anything that was extraneous and they just keep the good bits
1: and i like that it's when i think back because i didn't go back and rewatch anything i i don't feel like i've missed anything there's no uh, memories that i'm not attaching or or missing it's just You're right. I think they did a good job just picking out the good stuff. I also feel like, unlike with um the Saiyan arc, I feel like the pacing of this is good, and I'm kind of keeping up with everything. And everything that's happening is making sense. And I don't know. It 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 feels good to me so far.
0: I. I have some more notes I want to talk about for the pacing as, like, kind of as we get a little bit deeper into it. But I largely agree with you that it feels more like a natural pacing than the Saiyan arc did. The Saiyan arc, I felt like I didn't have time to breathe. You were moving so fast and delivered so much information in a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah. But well, while all of this is happening, um, Bulma's tired of being cooped up and decides to take uh, a speeder bike and zoom off and figure out what's going on with the Dragon Balls. Um, So that's neat.
0: I've pretty much been ignoring all of the stuff with Bulma because it pretty much doesn't matter.
1: You're correct. So anyway, Goku and Ginyu, they keep battling and we're seeing them kind of compare their speed and strength. And, you know, it, to me, it almost seems like they're having fun with it in some weird way.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is, it, it makes sense, you know, two to guys who have kind of honed themselves to be skilled warriors. It's, it's nice to be able to test that and challenge each other. And we do kind of get to see, <laughs> Goku trying out a couple of Ginyu's poses. So, while they're you know, trying to beat each other up, Goku's still willing to have a little bit of fun here.
1: It it is it is a fun battle and you know, it's while they're going back and forth, Jace kind of notices an opportunity for him to step in and help out the good old captain, and he launches a surprise key attack that causes goku to kind of drop his guard as he dodges and this is where he's caught in a grapple by captain ginyu he gets his arms up under him and uh, i believe this is called a full nelson if i remember correctly
0: you got it (laughs) Uh, and while jace is kind of egging the captain on to finish off goku captain ginyu decides to let goku go and he actually berates jace for interfering in his fight and so we get the sense that even if the captain's not a good guy he's kind of got a sense of maybe honor or maybe he's just got an ego and he wants to kind of prove himself in this fight one way or another he lets goku go
1: yeah and so it's at this point that maybe it is that ego but the captain kind of eggs Goku on to show his his true power to see those depths of energy that he knows is there that Goku hasn't shown yet and Goku decides to oblige him and we see Goku begin channeling and even slipping into Kaioken and as the power level climbs 60,000 80,000 100,000 and we end at Goku reaching over 110,000 as Captain Ginyu begins losing his shit.
0: Yeah, this is great. I love this power-up scene, and it leaves us at a bit of a cliffhanger, but I think that that does kind of take us into the next episode.
1: Yes, it actually leads right into episode 33, which is Son Goku at full power. The terrified Ginyu has something up his sleeve.
0: Yeah, this is cool as we kind of get dropped back into the second half of this power-up scene as Goku's power level skyrockets using the Kaioken up to a total of 180,000. And that is when Captain Ginyu, at this point, he looks scared. Jace himself looks scared too. And they express, oh no, Captain Your power level at max is only one hundred and twenty thousand.
1: Yeah. And it's once again, this is where the uh, the legendary Super Saiyan thing gets tossed around again as they realize that they are way outclassed. But something's different about this quote unquote Super Saiyan because he doesn't go after them with the ruthlessness and viciousness of the fabled one. He actually offers them peace and gives them a chance to leave. And Ginyu views this actually as a sign of weakness, and it seems like he's ready to continue the battle.
0: Yeah, there's even a a cool little scene of Ginyu grabbing a fly by him and almost like thinking that he's going to let it go. Ginyu instead crushes the fly in his hand so we kind of get this this contrast between Goku and Ginyu here and it's something that Vegeta has already expressed where Goku's too soft or at least by everybody else's measure on this planet right now they think that Goku's too willing to let people go too forgiving but Vegeta is not that way Ginyu's not that way And so Ginyu gains a measure of confidence saying, yeah, I don't think you're really a super Saiyan. They're supposed to be ruthless killers. I think maybe you're close, but I don't think you've completed your transformation, which is, I love the foreshadowing in that. It's excellent.
1: Yeah. And while this is happening, I'm going to go through some, some flash news, some quick news notes here, because there's a lot of things they touch on in the background. Um we find Bulma or I guess Bulma's found by Gohan and Krillin and uh that's neat they bring her back to camp um which is cool. Uh Nail arrives back at the Grand Elder's home and prepares to offer his life in defense of his people's leader. Uh Dende's potential is unlocked and he's ordered off to help the Earthlings and uh yeah at the end of all this, the elder makes a quick little comment on how if Frieza doesn't claim his life, then old age will.
0: Yeah, and so we're, I mean, we we know that there's a ticking clock here, not only from Frieza, but also just from Ginyu is about to croak any moment. And so Dende flies out to help the earthlings or help our Z fighters to give them the, what they're calling the password now to help them use the dragon balls. And Dende even crosses paths with Frieza as Frieza is coming to greet Ginyu. Uh, however, Frieza is greeted by Nail as Nail steps out in Ginyu's defense, uh, but this is not going to end well in Ginyu's nail. defense. Oh, sorry. Guru. Ginyu, <laughs> one of
1: those words. These G names, right? That's right. <laughs> but yeah, with, uh, Frieza site and being greeted, um, Frieza immediately demands the password from nail and nail says, Oh, hell no. Nah. Also, um, I'm guarding the grand elder here. And if you do anything that takes his life, then those Dragon Balls stop working. And this is all just a ploy to try and keep the Grand Elder alive as long as possible, so that way their plan might work.
0: Yeah, and at this point, Nail is about the only person that Frieza can kind of lean on to try and get this password to use the Dragon Balls so, Nail says, Well, I'm not going to give it to you without a fight. Uh, but if we fight here, the Grand Elder could be killed. So, follow me. I'll take you somewhere else and we can fight. And, you know, potentially you'll be able to get the password, uh, which they fly off. And something that I thought was really funny about this is that. I'm pretty sure they land in their place to fight in this episode within like a few minutes. I'm pretty sure in the original Dragon Ball Z, Nail and Frieza just flying to their location to fight took like five, six, seven (laughs) episodes.
1: I mean, I love it because it, it works for me because it would explain why Frieza got so freaking impatient. (laughs)
0: there's a part of me that kind of misses how long that took because frieza got impatient right like this kind of it's just like oh we're going and we're there
1: (laughs) yeah it's i mean the whole plan is to buy time right and so (laughs) just the idea of dragging frieza along for like 20 minutes on a flight and then frieza finally being like all right all right let's do it i'm so freaking bored of this
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh but yeah, we we pretty much arrive at this battleground and Nail charges up. Uh Frieza actually gets a reading. I and I we talked about this I think last time that we recorded. I was curious how powerful Nail is because we don't really get to see him fight anybody but Frieza and here we actually do get a reading on his power level at 42,000 which is in the ballpark of, say, a Raccoon, roughly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely respectable. And, I mean, it actually, it's more than respectable before even the, the Ginyu Force arrive, right? Like, he would have been one of the big players outside of Frieza before the Ginyu Force.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the funny part is Nail, pro, Nail could have certainly taken on Zarbon and Dodoria, uh, but... Nail was busy guarding the Grand Elder Guru. Uh and now in this case Frieza expresses, "Well, that's a great power level you have there, but mine is over 500,000."
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is this is the first time I think the numbers start getting real wonky. This is I mean an exponential increase in power. And to even drive it home, Frieza's going to have fun with this fight. And the Lord Tyrant decides to only fight using his left arm. And um, his left arm is all he needs to rip Nail's arm off, kind of relishing the torture he's inflicting.
0: I still love the visual of this. When Frieza, I mean, Nail chops into Frieza's neck, Frieza takes it, no-sells it, grabs nails forearm, digs the fingers into nails arm and punctures into the skin and then just rips the arm off. It is, I mean, it's, it's gruesome. It's, but it's visually satisfying. Like it feels brutal.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, this is, this is one of those scenes that's supposed to really reinforce the, the brutality of the bad guys on this planet it's really not pulling any punches, right? We've seen Gohan get his neck snapped. Now we're seeing Frieza ripping off arms and just, and I mean, doing it in the most brutal way possible. They're, they're really building up these bad guys. It ma- it makes for a great watch.
0: Yeah, I agree. At which point, I mean, we are already familiar with Namekian biology through Piccolo and we see nail regrow his arm The interesting part here is Frieza gets another read on his power level and says, oh, you know, that's nice that you're whole again, but it certainly took a toll on your power level. So we kind of are given a clear indication that while Namekians can regrow their limbs, it takes a lot out of them to do so.
1: Yeah, and I think um, the few other times this does happen, I think it's fairly consistent throughout the series that whenever... A piccolo or a thing like piccolo regrows their limb, that they get that. They show that exhaustion. They show that it takes effort to do it. And I I do appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we are given a brief scene of Krillin and Gohan finding Balma, collecting the dragon radar. So they're kind of on the hunt for the dragon balls, headed back towards Frieza's ship at this point. And then we're kind of shunted back over to the fight with Goku and Ginyu, as Ginyu charges up some ki into his hand and then punches himself?
1: Yeah, it's really strange because he's kind of cackling as he prepares for round two. And he takes his scotter off, hands it to Jace, and then punctures himself. And Goku's freaking out because he's watching his opponent just bleed all over himself from his own self-inflicted wound and with goku's guard dropped this is where captain ginyu throws his arms back and screams change now as energy lashes out linking the two warriors by the mouth and we see kind of these faded images of each other kind of pass by each other as the episode ends
0: yeah, so it's it's a good cliffhanger as the audience is kind of left wondering what happened between the two and what does this change now technique really mean? And I think that takes us into the next episode.
1: Yes, which is episode 34, surprise. Goku is Ginyu and Ginyu is Goku. Hmm, I wonder what happened.
0: Yeah, I couldn't tell you. However, we find out very quickly as we see... Goku, uh, now Ginyu, flying back towards the ship?
1: Yeah, and one thing I do appreciate is that we now know that, uh, these two have swapped bodies. Uh, Goku now inhabits the very badly damaged and purpley body of Captain Ginyu, and Captain Ginyu now has Goku's perfectly cool, all right body. Um, but there are some interesting things with here, because... Goku's like struggling to fly and I believe he even makes mention that it's hard to figure out how to fly in this new body.
0: Yeah, he says something about it being difficult to balance and uh, I'll be honest this is one of the transitions like the they kind of give us that like cliffhanger at the end of the last episode and then in this episode it's just ginyu has goku's body he has the scouter on him and jace are dipping out like it feels a little bit jarring i kind of feel like there should have been a little bit more leading into uh expressing that goku and ginyu had changed bodies but it's a minor gripe
1: yeah i i think i agree it's one of those things where it's little things like that where i'm fine with it because i've seen it But it just keeps coming back to, I don't know if Kai is a great first watch, if it's your first Dragon Ball experience.
0: Yeah, of course, for me, I'm like, this is fine. I know what's going on. But yeah, from the perspective of somebody just watching this fresh, having never seen it, I feel like that would be like, what the fuck? What, wait, what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then again, I think uh, a lot of us are a little weird because a lot of us grew up loving dragon ball without ever having seen the original dragon ball content. Like, Oh, I don't know who any of these characters are, but I'll watch 300 episodes of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. Many people watch dragon ball Z without knowing anything about dragon ball. So, uh, the, the mystery of Goku and Piccolo's rivalry or
1: whatever. <laughs> and you just, just accept they all know each other. Okay. Um, but that leads us over to Vegeta, who arrives at Frieza's ship and uh, begins just ruthlessly eliminating all the stationed henchmen. It's a bloodbath.
0: Yeah, uh, once more, uh, Vegeta just proving that he is very willing to murder people uh, who are in his way, or even just kind of marginally inconveniencing
1: (laughs) him. He's he's a bad man, but... Even bad mans need to clean up every now and then. And so <laughs> he uh, decides to change his clothes and take a shower and just, you know, do all the, the nice things that you would do at home.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, something that I hadn't really thought about before. I mean, this is funny because he's eaten a sensu bean. Uh, so the sensu bean will replenish your energy, will heal your wounds. It will not, however, clean you up. Uh, but the other thing here too is we're we're coming up to well it'll come up soon, but Vegeta has been running around, and we never get to see like Vegeta resting or taking time to to sleep or or eat or anything and I think that point is going to be relevant moving forward, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit
1: it's pretty funny because i think i pointed that out last episode of instant transmission and uh i mean we still haven't really seen him eat. i mean i guess sensu bean makes you full so you don't need to eat after a sensu bean but we have not seen him eat anything up until that sensu bean and it's been an amount of time that i cannot determine because namek does not have a day or night cycle and time just seems to pass
0: at least 10 days it's taking goku <laughs> at least 10 days to get there so something uh but yeah vegeta kind of reequips himself with some fresh armor gohan and krillin arrive on the scene with the dragon radar and vegeta is kind of like hiding waiting for them to find the dragon balls for him and as they find the dragon balls they basically are like we're gonna summon shenron and Krillin says the magic words. Nothing happens.
1: Yeah, and Vegeta's just watching all this, hoping to slide in and make the wish once they summon the dragon. But he's pissed off because the dragon's not summoned. The uh, Gohan and Krillin are upset because the dragon's not summoned. And w- worse yet, uh Captain Ginyu is now showing back up. Except it's not Captain Ginyu, it's uh Captain Goku.
0: Captain Goku. And he's got Jace in tow, which really throws Gohan and Krillin for a loop as they kind of initially hide and then see, hey, it's Goku, and come out to chat. And they're like, oh, you must have convinced this Jace fella to fight on our side. Right, Goku?
1: (laughs) Well, the cat's out of the bag pretty quickly as not only does Gohan kind of call out that that's not actually his dad, but Captain Goku also decides to... Deck Krillin right in the schnoz or lack of schnoz, and yeah, things are confusing now because Gohan's pleading with Krillin, telling him that hey, that's not Goku. Krillin doesn't quite believe him even after being punched in the face, but eh, it gets even more confusing when Goku and Ginyu's body floats onto the scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, this adds additional complications, and they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on, but captain ginyu goku i was uh, dreading
1: goku. talking about this in the podcast the entire time i knew it was coming <laughs> so for for now i'm calling ginyu and goku's body is captain ginyu and then uh purple goku
0: sure i was, I was <laughs> or just reluctant.
1: goku we can just stick with goku
0: yeah i I almost went with your nomenclature of Captain Goku, but I feel like that is also confusing. As much as I like the 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 nickname, um, but yeah, maybe. So Ginyu right now is in Goku's body. We'll call him Ginyu. I guess okay. <laughs> and Goku is in Ginyu's body. I, I mean we could call him Goku or Purple Goku. I don't fucking know. Fuck.
1: <laughs> All right. So just understand that Ginyu is in Goku's body, and Goku is in Ginyu's body until we say otherwise.
0: That's right. And Ginyu goes on the offensive, uh attacking Krillin and Gohan. And he's super stoked to try out his new power is 180,000 power level. Uh, And as he starts putting the hurt on our smaller Z fighters, he kind of calls out for Jace like, Hey, give me a reading on my power level as I power up here. And Jace is like, Uh, it's 23,000, sir. Yeah,
1: it's kind of quiet and hesitant to say it. Even even Ginyu's like, yeah, get a load of that. Did you hear that? My power level's a whopping 23,000. (laughs) 23,000? It's pretty funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it takes a minute to hit. Uh, And he's kind of confused. But Goku, who's already expressed difficulty flying in Ginyu's body, says your mind and your body have to be in sync on top of which you don't know how to use any of my techniques. Motherfucker.
1: Yeah. And it's at this point that we see Krillin and Gohan kind of gain some confidence and Krillin dives in and goes on the attack. And it's, there's a cool little scene where Ginyu goes to throw a punch and a kick and Krillin pops off a couple after images where he's like taunting or Ginyu. And this is where we see Krillin actually land a pretty good blow on the captain, sending him flying towards Gohan, who's still kind of wrestling with the idea of hitting his dad.
0: It's kind of like it's it's brief, but it's kind of funny and cool to see Krillin, who is very far out of his depths here or should be putting the hurt on Goku. (laughs) I mean, on Ginyu Goku, but it's Goku's body. Whatever Mm. you get it
1: yeah it's fun and i mean it's it's always nice seeing the side characters get their their moment in the in the limelight but this moment eh, it's kind of a uh a sour one in itself too because as ginyu goes flying towards gohan uh that hesitation's enough for ginyu to just kind of backhand gohan and send him flying
0: yeah gohan is unwilling to hit ginyu And Krillin kind of says, you know, what's up? And Gohan's like, he looks like my dad. I couldn't bring myself to hit him. And Krillin's like, you know, Goku's my best friend. I understand. But you just gotta, I mean, you gotta do it. You gotta.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's not your dad. You have to understand that that right there is not your dad. And I guess after some, some, coaching Gohan's kind of on board and we see Krillin and Gohan start attacking in sync and once they start working together they're just landing vicious blow after vicious blow and Captain Ginyu is eventually forced to scream for help and Jace is going to step in but that is until Vegeta kind of steps out of the shadows and makes sure that that does not happen
0: yeah now vegeta is willing to take on his opponent fighting jace uh now that things are looking very much in vegeta's favor because if vegeta can take out jace i mean he's the top dog in this situation right now uh and so he keeps jace busy as they kind of talk for a bit um kind of uh, more or less gives jace the spiel of uh here's your Saiyan handbook, check out my new and improved power level. And Jace is pretty afraid as he gets a reading on Vegeta's power.
1: And rightfully so. It's kind of a panic moment as he starts launching the classic barrage of Key Blast that last time I checked has not ever worked. And once again, it's not worked as Vegeta kind of steps through the barrage and out of the smoke and Jace is evaporated. Jace is no longer on this planet anymore. And this whole time, Vegeta has this menacing smile the whole time. He's, he's a shark that smells blood. And I I mean, what a monster, (laughs) what an absolute monster that man is.
0: It's a brief, but cool scene. Like, vegeta coming out of the barrage of key blasts you see the kind of like wave of red energy come off of his body as he plows through it he clobbers jace in the face and then while jace is kind of upside down in the air he chops jace right in the ribs making him cough up blood and then just full-on key blasts him into oblivion it's like you said, it's it's savage, but man, it's cool to watch. And this is like peak form Vegeta.
1: Oh, yeah. Vegeta is a bad, bad man. And he's being <laughs> real bad right now.
0: That's right. But that <laughs> the, pr- pretty much wraps it up to the next episode. Yeah, that brings us to
1: episode 35, which is a great turn about for Goku. Super Shenron come out right now. And with Vegeta having dispatched his prey. Yeah, I did. I had to, I had to read that slowly. Um Vegeta <laughs> has dispatched his prey and now he sets his eyes on his new target. And it's just with ruthless efficiency that he guns for for Captain Ginyu, who like we read earlier, whose power level is only 23,000 and Vegeta just lays an absolute beating on him.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is pretty short, honestly. As Ginyu kind of is is beaten into the dirt, Vegeta is getting ready to kind of deliver the finishing blow. He's pretty. I wish, honestly, I wish they would have covered this more. Uh, but Vegeta is clearly ecstatic about not only getting to put the beating on Ginyu, but also get to put the beating on Goku's body at the same time. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, he gets the best of both worlds, right? It's like beating up to two of your most hated people at once.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's great. I wish they would have just expressed that a little bit more. But this results in Captain Ginyu getting ready to change into Vegeta's body because we have to remember that Vegeta, Krillin, and Gohan have no clue right now how Ginyu and Goku switched bodies. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but to the contrary, Goku very much knows how they switched bodies. And seeing this technique again, Goku has to summon whatever little strength that body has left, and he leaps into action. And right before the body change technique hits Vegeta, well, Gidin body floats in the way, and yay, everyone's back to their original bodies um, Goku's all sorts of screwed up and laying in a in a crater, and Captain Ginyu's got a big hole in his chest. It, but at least they're home.
0: I mean, at least we don't have to deal with the confusion of Ginyu and Goku, and Goku is Ginyu, and everything
1: everything's back to normal. We can talk about this uh, with relative ease. But there's not even really a pause here. As soon as Vegeta realizes that the body swap has happened, he charges. Once again, right back after Captain Ginyu. And this is weird to me because it's kind of this throw caution to the wind assault that I wouldn't attribute to Vegeta at this point. Once he's seen the technique, I thought he would have been a little bit more careful.
0: And I mean, the funny thing is, I I completely agree with you as much as I I like the tension of this scene and everything, uh, because, you know, we're all worried that Ginyu's going to change bodies with Vegeta. We've just been talking about in the last few episodes about how savvy Vegeta is in terms of reading what's going on in a fight. And now he's almost like, it's almost like a completely different person. Like he's completely blind to what just happened in front of his face. It's it's uh, a little bit frustrating.
1: The the only thing that they I, I believe there's just like one one or two lines about it is Ginyu is taunting Vegeta. And maybe there's something to that where he's just, you know, he's drawn Vegeta out of his sensibilities and he's just enraged now. But at the same time, Vegeta is currently probably so much stronger than Captain Ginyu that he shouldn't feel threatened. He should be able to handle him, no problem.
0: Right. Like, there's kind of ways that we can maybe justify it. It, It's certainly not the only time that we've seen Vegeta fly into a blind rage, and it's certainly not going to be the last time. Uh, And it's not even really a rage here, necessarily. Like, he certainly wants to stick it to Ginyu, who we kind of get the impression that the other... The the Ginyus themselves have kind of made Vegeta's life uh a living hell up to this point, or at the very least, have really looked down on him. Uh, but it's it's just it feels a little bit strange. Whatever yeah. the cases.
1: <laughs> yeah, I it's it's whatever because it's it results in Captain Ginyu. Taunts Vegeta's in for, for a vulnerable attack. So the Change Now attack is launched. But Goku, who's lying in his crater, just so happens to have a little hippity hoppity frog hopping by and grabs that sucker and whirls it up into the air just in time to intercept the attack. And so now we have Captain Frog.
0: Yeah. And. <laughs> I mean this is this is kind of a funny scene. We we see Ginyu as the frog hopping away. Vegeta is kind of getting ready to step on the frog and murder Captain Ginyu uh putting uh putting a his death toll on the Ginyu Force for 5 for 5, but Goku actually does in this moment convince Vegeta to let Captain Ginyu go. And Vegeta, I like this, actually, because Vegeta says the only reason he's letting Ginyu go is because it's funny to him that Ginyu has to hop around in that frog's body.
1: (laughs) Which that checks out to me, where this is a fate worse than death. You can have this. I'll spare your life.
0: I love that. That is that feels very at least this era of Vegeta to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to see what they do with Captain Ginyu since he's still hopping around. Right.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Oh, I forgot about it and then I saw it and I was like ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we don't know. That's in the future. So we'll we'll have to just wait and see. But uh yeah, Goku's uh he's pretty battered and beaten and he even needs Gohan and Krillin to kind of help him to his feet. And this is where Vegeta takes a moment to of course laugh at Goku in his sorry state because you, you do that before you do anything else. If you're Vegeta, and then he kind of mentions that he still has a use for Goku and Krillin and Gohan, and so he s- sort of starts helping them, and they don't trust him at all. But Vegeta understands that he does need help if he's going to somehow beat Frieza. And so we get the scene of Krillin basically second guessing everything that Vegeta is doing, but. It all turns out to be in good faith. Uh, they get Goku in a rejuvenation pod. Uh, they start putting on, say, in battle armor. It's kind of a cool scene where everyone's kind of gearing up for the boss battle.
0: It's fun. It, it, it's fun seeing, you know, our all of our allies together here. I do also love that before Vegeta decides to help them, he does point out that Oh, it looks like I could murder all of you right now if I really wanted to. But I need you to fight Frieza.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, just remember who's who's God King right now, okay? All right? Cool, I'll help you.
0: Yeah, he's fully on top at the moment, uh, you know, because Frieza's not here. But uh, he does express, you know, we're putting Goku in this healing pod. I blew up the, the good pod, so this one might take a little while longer. Here's some armor uh, for you, Gohan and Krillin. Uh, this This is a weird detail that I remembered, but Vegeta says when he puts on the other armor, the armor without the shoulder pads, he basically says, "Oh, they only have an old model of armor in my size." And then he hands the other ones with the shoulder pads to Gohan and Krillin saying, "This is the, you know, the newer model, uh and they're, you know, they're very elastic, whatever, they they work great." The interesting part about this to me is that in Dragon Ball Z in the original dub, it was actually the opposite. Uh, it was that Vegeta, when he handed the armor to Gohan and Krillin, said, Here, these are old models, but they should work just as well. I don't know why that got changed or, you know, even where that got changed. If in the manga, it was originally this way
1: in Kai. I just thought it was weird that they switched it around. That is weird. Huh. I guess I didn't notice that either because it's such a subtle change, right? It's something it, where if you weren't really paying attention, you would miss it.
0: It really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things at all. I just noticed it and was like, I wonder why they changed that.
1: Oh, great. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight as I just debate the the meaning of switching which armor's new and old.
0: <laughs> You're never going to know which one is the new model and which one's the old model. I'm not. I, and
1: why? Why would they change it? Oh, it hurts <laughs> my brain.
0: That's right. Take that. It's, oh. uh, it's silly Dragon Ball trivia. But OK, so <laughs> they
1: put on the old and new or new and old armor, depending on which way you look at it. And like I said, I like, I love this kind of pause before the final battle. This get geared up, get healed up, get prepared because it's it's just the big guy from here on out. And I love this kind of pause to gather gather the troops sort of episode.
0: It feels it almost feels like playing a like a like a Japanese RPG. Yes, video
1: which game. I love. I think that's fantastic. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm totally here for it. But speaking of our big bad, we kind of cut back over to the battle between or battle.
1: Yeah, oh, we'll put that in air quotes.
0: Yeah, between Nail and Frieza, as Nail is just bloodied and battered and gives a huge key blast directly in Frieza's by the Uh, way i love the
1: impact of that key blast because it feels like it hits hard even though frieza absolutely no sells it
0: oh yeah i mean it even you see the ground just destroyed around frieza except for this little tiny island that frieza is standing on and then frieza just kind of leaps forward and backhands nail in the face knocking him to the ground uh I mean, it it feels like this is Nail's kind of final moment, but he's laughing in Frieza's face as he grabs his wounded face at this point uh, because he knows that the Earthlings probably have access to the Dragon Balls and how to summon the dragon at this point.
1: So, okay, what is your... Because I had mixed feelings about this. What is your opinion on Nail absolutely spilling the beans to Frieza about what their grand plan is?
0: It feels... I don't know. Like, it, it It feels like the only way that Nail can kind of get one up on Frieza, right? But at the same time... I mean, he gave up the ghost too quickly, too, right? Like, he he really... I mean, Nail knows exactly how the the sky should turn black when Parunga is summoned. Uh, So Nail hasn't seen that yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you feel like Nail should at least wait for that sign (laughs) (laughs) before saying anything. (laughs)
1: It's like, hey, guys, we we don't even know if they have the Dragon Balls yet. And you just kind of tipped the the g- giant big bad monster off that this is what's going on so because when he spilled the beans there my thought was is he trying to save his own life at this point or is he doing it out of ego like what what's the motivation for telling Frieza at this point point? and I guess I guess it could be mostly ego like you said to get one over on Frieza
0: that's the only thing that really makes sense to me, especially in the way that nail in the way that he's acting here. Cause it's not like he's pleading for his life. It's not like he's afraid. Uh, he's, he's laughing. Like it feels more like he's trying to just stick it to Frieza who murdered all of his race, but his timing could have been better.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it was one of those like, I'm about to die. I know the grand elder's about to die. If there's one thing our race can leave Frieza with, it's that just awful taste of defeat in his mouth.
0: Yeah, yeah, like like somebody got uh got one over on him and this enrages Frieza. As Frieza takes off using his scouter to kind of figure out what's going on, doesn't detect I any love of that the scene Indian by force. the way.
1: Frieza just taking stock and just that slow realization that the wheels have completely come off.
0: And yeah, I believe, I believe this rendition that we get for Frieza is Chris Ayers as the voice actor in the Funimation dub. And the performance here is excellent. It is, it is a joy to hear the rage in Frieza's voice as he figures out that he's been fucked over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah frieza's pissed nails almost dead um but now now our heroes have frieza beelining it straight towards them and so they're on a timer but the weirdest thing happens though when we flip back to our heroes
0: (laughs) i mean if i'm remembering right this kind of turns into krillin had already taken off to go get the password or whatever uh, from Dende or Nail or whomever, but runs into Dende. They kind of cross paths and meet in the middle and start making their way back towards the ship.
1: Yeah, they start making their way back towards the ship and then um Gohan's back at the ship with Vegeta. And it's at around this point that Vegeta decides that eh, he's tired and the bad man needs a nap.
0: So... And this is what I was kind of talking about earlier. There's a part of me, especially when I watched this in Dragon Ball Z for the first time, that felt like he just ate a sensu bean. Why in the world does he need a nap? But watching through this again, we just talked about the fact that Vegeta probably hasn't slept for the better part of 10 days, question mark. So, While this feels a little bit weird, there's actually a little bit of logic to it here because Vegeta's just been going nonstop fighting and, you know, almost getting killed multiple, multiple times.
1: Well, Okay, so actually, now that I'm thinking about it, we can confirm that he slept at least once when he got his butt absolutely kicked by uh, Zarbon and then he was shoved in a tank. So we know he slept then.
0: That's true. I was about to say. You mean when he took a fucking dirt nap when
1: he <laughs> yeah, got yeah that's that's one confirmed nap.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's you're right. You're right. He, so he did take at least one
1: nap in ten <laughs> days. So yeah, I he's understandably very tired and taking a nap. And once he goes inside, also he takes a nap like leaning up against Goku's rejuvenation pot. I don't know why it's also weird to me too.
0: I kind of love that detail, like. I feel like I want to look into that detail way more than it probably means anything. Like, I'm trying to imagine is Vegeta. Is he. Does he want to be there and ready when Goku gets out? Is he trying to, like prevent anybody from going in and getting goku without him knowing like what's going through his mind that he wants to sit there (laughs) in front of goku in the healing
1: pot just i don't know just made me laugh i don't think it means anything i like that you're really looking into it but i
0: was i saw that and i was like there's something here there's something here going on
1: it's like what am i missing what's the hidden detail (laughs)
0: that's right
1: (laughs) oh so yeah uh uh, vitita's taking a nap in front of goku um, and uh, Dinde and Krillin uh eventually do arrive back, and this is where Gohan re- reveals that detail that currently Vegeta's taking a nap and the Dragon Balls are up for grabs.
0: You know, there's something funny to me here too about the fact that Krillin and Gohan and Goku have kind of allied with Vegeta and they keep expressing, you know, Vegeta's betrayed us multiple times. Krillin goes out of his way to sneak behind Vegeta's back as his ally in this moment to summon the dragon without Vegeta's knowledge. It's just, it's funny to me that there's kind of that parallel of like, I'm going to fuck him over here.
1: (laughs) I mean, Krillin's also definitely the guy who would do that and be like, nah, I, you all try and be nice with this guy and it has not worked out. Screw that guy. We're making a wish. We're going to take these dragon balls like what? 200 feet away. I thought they would have moved further, but yeah, we're going to take these dragon balls 200 feet away where he can't see us and make a wish.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you make a good point. Like Krillin was the one who was willing to and ready to kill vegeta on on earth when vegeta you know was down and out had already killed a bunch of krillin's friends i mean vegeta shouldn't have any love for vegeta in this moment right like he should feel like uh, he you know doesn't f- trust vegeta
1: <laughs> no no with with great reason but i love it they've they've snuck around behind vegeta's back and uh i think we end this episode with them beginning to summon the dragon
0: yeah, I think that kind of uh, as they, you know, now with Dende speaking in Namekian to summon the dragon, I think we start back up with that on the next episode.
1: Yeah, and that's episode 36. Uh, an enraged Frieza draws near. Purunga, grant this wish. And this is where we pick up with the dragon actually being summoned. And this is the eternal dragon Purunga, god of dreams, which is Awesome. I love that title. And all of our heroes stand just astonished before this huge, balking dragon, especially when you compare it to Shenron, who we have back on Earth.
0: You know, as we've been going through Kai, the, the dialogue is certainly improved from the original Dragon Ball Z dub. There are many moments that feel funny to me because Kai Kai is a very... I mean it's it's a pretty serious version, as serious as Dragon Ball gets, in terms of like the dub and the rendition. And Krillin makes a comment like, Wow, your dragon here is huge. He's buff. Uh, but it really feels about as close to the abridged version of that dialogue without being like over-the-top <laughs> ridiculous as Krillin and abridged says, Oh shit, that's your dragon? He could wear our dragon like a scarf <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean it's pretty funny um we, we i mean i love Perunga. i love that the namekian dragon is just an absolute alpha of dragons and this is the home world right this is like they should have this awesome beastly dragon even if it kind of looks ridiculous
0: <laughs> it does look ridiculous but yeah i i agree i i like that he's you know swole as hell i like that they use his title here i don't think in the original dub they called him the god of dreams or the dragon of dreams uh so i i like that that was included and this is i mean this is the moment that they've been waiting for as they kind of ask the dragon to bring back all of the people who were killed by the saiyans on
1: earth yeah and i mean this super dragon should can grant three wishes but unfortunately he can still only revive one person at a time which i forgot that that was a thing (laughs) so oh yeah i forgot that he could only do one at a time i was just like oh shoot i forgot about that like it did catch me off guard but as soon as he said it, i was like oh yeah that's right
0: yeah, that is the limitation. And so they all go into planning mode, including King Kai and our dead Z fighters with Piccolo, Yamcha, Tien, and Chiaotsu.
1: Yeah, uh, and <laughs> it is it is kind of a panic moment because a, a wrench immediately got thrown into the works, but Piccolo decides to kind of pipe in and he more or less uses King Kai and demands that he's wish back first. And there's some doubts and people are unsure, but it makes sense when he's, when he brings up that if he comes back, so does Kame and so does earth's dragon balls, which is great, great thinking, cool guy coming up with a cool plan, right? Well, this plan immediately goes off the rails when he demands that the second wish be bring him to planet Namek. Oh my God.
0: I love this. I love King Kai's reaction to this King Kai's pissed off, like, hey, I've been telling you guys not to fuck with Frieza, and now you're taking your, you've just been resurrected, and you're gonna go get yourself killed fighting <laughs>
1: Frieza. <laughs> that's the thing, if Piccolo goes there and dies, then the Earth's Dragon Balls are gone again anyway, right? Like, that's, what are you doing?
0: Right, this, uh, again, Abridged kind of points how, out how ridiculous this plan is, and changes <laughs> it up. It actually, uh,
1: it's actually even better, it's just better on Abridged. <laughs>
0: I'm not gonna lie, you're right, because Krillin is the one who actually does this in the abridged version and is like, hey, bring Piccolo to Namek. And Piccolo's like, wait, what?
1: No! <laughs> I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Uh So, yeah. So, that's the game plan. Um, I hope they do it quickly because Frieza is just storming towards the scene. And even worse, Vegeta wakes up and notices that uh, the sky is not only dark, but that there's a goddamn colossal dragon in the background and begins just losing his shit.
0: Yeah, maybe they should have moved more than 200 feet, you think? Huh?
1: Huh? Nah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But <laughs> at least we got Piccolo back to life, and now we've got the second wish, which brings Piccolo to Namek. But not where they're at on Namek, just kind of generally Namek.
0: I love that this is just a fumbling of, like, it. they almost make it feel like it was a mistranslation, as Dende's, like, oh, you wanted him to be brought here instead of just on Namek? Like, Dende almost makes it sound like like speaking English or common or whatever you want to call it is like his second language and he didn't understand the exact meaning of what Krillin was saying.
1: (laughs) Or maybe even something like it's the, you know, like with most making wish tropes if you're not specific, like you'll get what you wish for sort of thing, right?
0: Yeah, definitely could have also been that. But as a result, we're down to wishes. Piccolo is alive and on Namek. However, Vegeta now arrives on the scene and he's pissed.
1: Yeah, his anger is just bubbling over as he marches towards, well, our little heroes, because all of them are short. And he grabs Dende by, the, by his collar and gives them an ultimatum. Either give him immortality with the remaining wish or they all die. And Krillin is actually the one who kind of breaks first and says, yeah, like we we don't have a choice. I don't see any other way out of this. So give, give Vegeta his wish.
0: Yeah. And so Dende starts to ask the dragon for the wish. However, the dragon starts to act a little bit strange and the dragon balls begin to kind of flash. And in that moment, the dragon vanishes. The Dragon Ball is turning to stone. Vegeta's kind of asking, hey, am I immortal? I don't feel any different. What happened? And Dende says, no, the wish didn't go through. Guru is dead.
1: Yeah, and it's at this point where things are seeming really bad. Um, things start really seeming even badder as... Vegeta's rage kind of gives way to shock and terror as the terrifying visage of Frieza is finally revealed.
0: Yeah. I mean, Frieza comes into the scene screaming that they ruined his wish for immortality. And that kind of takes us into the next episode.
1: Yeah, which is episode 37, A Nightmare Super Transformation. Frieza's battle power reaches 1 million. (laughs) We're getting into silly numbers. (laughs) We're getting into silly land.
0: I mean, we jumped from 180,000 as like the high point to, I guess, Frieza technically at 500,000 and now 1 million. And yeah, so they, they start to get ridiculous. But our episode kind of starts with Piccolo uh, making his way towards our heroes because he's off in nowhere land on Namek, but finding a very injured Nail and kind of coming to speak with him. And Nail manages to convince Piccolo, hey, you can't beat Frieza the way you are, but if you fuse with me, we could whoop his ass.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, Piccolo is really hesitant at first because he's not sure how fusion like really works. He also doesn't want to lose his own self, right? He wants to keep his identity. And part of that is pride. He, he wants to do it himself without the help of somebody else. But also he's had the, the other side of, I guess his being his entire existence. He's had Kame kind of in the background the whole time and he's kind of been saddled with the burden of always knowing that there's like a better half to you and so i can only imagine how self-focused and and how important independence is for piccolo because he was cast out and so it's a big deal for him to bring somebody in
0: yeah yeah that's a good point piccolo does relent though kind of feeling the the power of Frieza in the distance and feeling how dire this situation is. And we get Piccolo kind of touching Nail and the two forms meld into one, uh, revealing just, you know, what looks to be Piccolo, Uh, but feeling invigorated and empowered. He flies off with this new power to make it to help our friends fight the tyrant Frieza and we kind of cut back over to Frieza attacking our z fighter they
1: they did change up my favorite scene a little bit <laughs> <laughs> cuz he's did invincible you? he can do it he's the ultimate namekian warrior <laughs> it's a little better this time but i uh, i like the original more
0: what you, oh okay i was about to say you, you can do like, it uh... you can do it yes yes
1: I feel good! I feel great! I can win! <laughs> I'm sorry. The original did it better. I'm sorry, there's not even an argument. Downgrade. <laughs> Definitely an, a downgrade.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know. I I kind of like that scene for being just ridiculous and over-the-top in the original, I'm not gonna lie. Me
1: too. I, I actually appreciate it. It's it's kind of... I don't know. Whatever. I love the memes, so I'm glad it exists. But yeah, we get Vegeta and Frieza's battle beginning and... It's, I mean, it begins with a bang as Frieza just starts launching terrifying blast after terrifying key blast. And things look bad right off the get. Gohan and Krillin realize that they don't really stand a chance unless they lend their strength to Vegeta. However, the second they step in, Frieza's just overwhelming power instantly forces them back to the point where Vegeta actually steps in to save them. And this results in kind of a cool moment as gohan and krillin are beginning to kind of tremble and quake at just the the fearsome might of frieza but vegeta is kind of steadying the ship and being the confident leader as he announces that the three of them if they band together could easily beat frieza and it kind of writes everything and the troops begin to rally
0: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, Vegeta manages to even deflect one of Frieza's key blasts, so we're kind of getting a sense for how powerful Vegeta has become after all of his Zenkai boosts here. And Vegeta even goes on to say, I'm becoming what you fear the most, Frieza.
1: I'm becoming a Super (laughs) Saiyan. (laughs) I love it. You're not dealing with the average Saiyan. It's so good. Oh my gosh. But Frieza just continues to go on the attack. And this is where we see Vegeta is at least able to trade blows at this point. And it's kind of it's kind of shocking to everybody. And there's this glimmer of hope that maybe they have a chance of winning.
0: I love the clash between them as Frieza kind of like goes to punch at Vegeta, Vegeta grabs his hand, grab they clash with other hand, the other hand. And then they just, their auras begin to shift and break the ground around them. And the power is so much that Frieza's scouter explodes on the side of his face. And Frieza actually steps back from this engagement saying, you know, maybe there's a a little bit of truth to your boast about, how powerful the three of you are.
1: I mean, I just love the battle of egos between these two. It's, it's the Prince of Saiyans and just the, the evil tyrant ruler of the universe battling against each other. And I mean, it wouldn't be DBZ or I'm sorry, it wouldn't be Dragon Ball. If we didn't get a cool transformation scene and this is where Vegeta decides to egg that on. He tells uh, Frieza that zarbon let it slip that frieza has a transformation and vegeta wants to see it
0: yeah and frieza expresses that he normally doesn't go into his other form because he can't easily control his power because it's just that vast but he says well i'm going to i'm going to show you exactly what you're missing by not seeing my true power and as frieza's body like extends and grows and expands and distorts in strange ways he's kind of screaming throughout we see his horns kind of bend upward his legs grow and his back extend outward uh frieza grows into this eight nine foot tall monstrosity just built with muscle
1: yeah it's frieza went from this kind of short kind of napoleon kind of form to this tall menacing form with these big crooked horns on his head and just towering over everybody even during the transformation scene they give you that sense of scale as you're looking from frieza's perspective as vegeta goes from about eye level to looking down on Vegeta as his face shifts from confidence to terror.
0: Yeah, this is... I mean, this is cool. This is kind of an iconic transformation scene. And Frieza expresses, hey, guys, you want to know what my power level is now?
1: (laughs) Come on, ask me about it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. It's a million. (laughs) Yeah, and so we're up to a wonky million as all of our our heroes are kind of terror struck. They're unable to move. And it's at this point that freeze is just setting his eyes on targets. And yeah, if, if anyone doubted his power, just a little burst of it was able to knock all of them back just before he zooms up and impales Krillin on his massive horn.
0: Oh yeah. Krillin going to get the horns here.
1: And that's kind of where the the episode ends is Krillin being impaled and blood beginning to drip down as Frieza devilishly kind of licks it as it runs across his face.
0: This is this is great. I mean the got the close up of the Frieza's big horn inside of Krillin and the blood pouring out. Honestly, i really like the music that they chose for this scene too it's it's almost like a it almost has like an opera sort of feel to it but it's it's very dramatic i think it fits really well
1: i i commented on that too the it's got like chanting and electric guitars all happening at once it's pretty rad it's i mean it's unique it reminds me a little bit of um the what is it? The Final Fantasy movie that came out forever ago when they redid Sephiroth. Was it One Winged Angel or whatever that song is called? Oh
0: yeah, it it does have a little bit of a Advent Children vibe. Yeah, um, it, it's it's very rock opera um sort of feel to it. But I mean, it, they're they're kind of expressing this is I mean, in in essence, this is the death of Krillin. So it it feels like a very appropriate way to to kind of frame this scene and also kind of leave us on this cliffhanger uh, for the end of the episode.
1: Yeah, and that brings us to episode 38, which is Frieza bears his fangs. Transcendent power attacks Gohan. And this is, I like where it picks up too because everything's kind of frozen. Time pauses as we, as Krillin just lies there impaled in Frieza's massive horned head and we see Gohan just like struggling to think of something to do to help his badly hurt friend. Um the music here is very somber, it fits the scene. It's you're almost kind of framing it as saying farewell to a friend.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Again, I I really like the music choice here. It's uh it's really well done. The Frieza at this point just kind of tosses Krillin off into the water and as gohan kind of dashes forward to try to help his friend frieza gets in gohan's way and gohan is not having it as he goes full ass whooping on second form frieza here
1: yeah and he he even demands that frieza move and it's In order that Frieza should have listened to, because when that ass whooping happens, Frieza just gets knocked down hard, quickly, even to the surprise of Vegeta, and just craters him into the ground, followed up by a series of just massive ki blasts with one at the end that just just radiates red energy. Kind of the hatred that Gohan was pouring into his ki was reflected in this blast.
0: I love this scene. I also, I mean, it's both very poetic and also hilarious that this five-year-old child is beating the ass of the emperor of the universe, who is also arguably the most powerful person in the universe right now. And not only is it a five-year-old kid, but it's a five-year-old Saiyan kid.
1: <laughs> That's insult to injury right there. But, I mean, it's, it's fun for a second, but Frieza is far from, from done. Uh, about the only thing that Gohan was able to do was maybe put a little dent in Frieza and then give Dende enough time to pull Krillin from the deep waters of Namek. So, at least they got his body
0: yeah uh and this kind of turns into now vegeta and gohan are trying to figure out okay how are we going to handle frieza and frieza doesn't give them a chance frieza goes on the full assault and starts to clobber gohan uh returning that ass whooping and vegeta takes that moment to try to sneak attack frieza thinking that you know he got the best of him but the key blasts that Vegeta delivers seem to deal almost no damage to this new form of Frieza.
1: Yeah. And this was, I mean, this was a big key attack. It was very Gallic gun esque in its, um, in its form. And even though it hit home, it I mean, it did no damage and this demoralizes Vegeta. We see his arms kind of drop to his side, his mouth kind of just gaping open as Vegeta begins to piece together that, Uh, there, there's no way to beat Frieza, even with all of them, there's probably no chance. And uh, he's kind of out of the fight. He's demoralized. And even though Gohan is still kind of leaping forward and trying to, to stay on the attack and do something, everything's falling apart as Gohan just gets battered into the ground. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's slowly crushed underfoot as Frieza begins just crushing the life out of him.
0: Yeah, this is savage. Uh, I, I really like how brutal it shows Frieza being to this child. Uh, and
1: that kid's going to have a lot of trauma.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. It's, it's shocking that he doesn't have more trauma. But we kind of move to a scene with somebody saving Gohan with a key blast. Uh, It looks like some sort of disc of some sort. And we cut over to our boy Krillin with a Kienzan uh, that cuts off Frieza's tail and followed up with an exploding Kienzan that all kind of like scatter around Frieza, trying to cut him in half. Frieza does manage to dodge the follow-up attacks, but This is Krillin being quite a badass here for a second.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. I will say it's kind of jarring having Krillin tossed off and almost dead in the same episode. He gets revived and then come back. So it it happens kind of quickly. So the surprise is like, oh, okay, I guess he's all right then. Um, This is one of the areas where I think the pacing does hurt a little bit. But I mean, it's still cool. Krillin's a badass and he decides to take this opportunity to... Like you said, lap off a piece of Frieza's tail, but also taunt Frieza into chasing him to buy some time for his friends.
0: Yeah. Krillin takes Frieza on a wild goose chase, eventually ending in a. I believe it's the Taioken or the solar flare, uh, blinding Frieza to buy time for what we find to be Dende, who has healing powers and heals Gohan. Uh, and so now krillin kind of makes his way back we've got all three of our combatants at full power again ready to take on frieza and they kind of deliver a flurry of key blasts but it's still not enough to really phase frieza and as they kind of get ready for another confrontation here another figure kind of leaps into the middle and we see piccolo nail jump into the fray
1: i love his arrival because he kind of zooms in he's like you know he's got his back turned to him so he's like looking kind of edgy and then we get this super jazzy kind of cool intro music i i was digging it It, it's it's kind of i guess it's hitting all the right notes it's very cartoonishy but also very dragon ball yeah
0: i mean some of these episodes have some of my favorite music choices. I think from Kai. Sometimes it's kind of like, eh, it was fine. Uh, it, it usually feels like at least middle of the road. But there are a few scenes that I'm like, ooh, that hits just right. That was a really good choice.
1: Mm-hmm. That that I mean, it's such a small little detail, but I was like, yeah, that was cool. But Piccolo's unseen. He uh, he got his introduction, and of course, being a badass. He's opting to take the fight alone from here on out and orders everyone else to stand down.
0: I mean, it's it it very much mirrors what Goku did when he jumped in to fight the the Ginyu force, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of the badass thing to do to be like, I'm going to take him by myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, let the man do it. He's got the cool intro. He's got uh, the cool look. Now let's see how it goes as we jump into episode 39, the reborn Piccolo arrives, a furious freezes second transformation and the square off begins uh, pretty quickly. It's just kind of a second of gauging each other up and then like, yeah, they start exchanging blows.
0: I love Vegeta here being like, the fuck did you guys bring that guy here for? What's this Piccolo dude going to do? He was a wimp on earth. He's still a wimp. Like he's going to get his (laughs) shit kicked in.
1: I think it's even worse. I think he calls him trash. Like he just like, like just poops on him.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great. Vegeta's dialogue is fantastic. And I mean, Vegeta can sense energy at this point. Right. But I think Vegeta is so, flabbergasted by the fact that piccolo is here to fight frieza that he's not even like he's he doesn't even have his wits about him to even spend the time to gauge piccolo's power
1: (laughs) okay so i i guess this is a good point to bring up the question so piccolo is more or less keeping up with frieza and frieza's second form right right how do we justify that So (laughs) because he went from King Kai's planet and Goku left King Kai's planet at what? A few thousand power level.
0: I mean, Goku, at least when Goku fought Vegeta after a year of training with King Kai, if we count the Kaioken in there, he was in the ballpark anywhere between like 18,000 to like 30,000 ish. Well, let's Uh, bear
1: in mind that Kaioken was uh, amplifying his power by what, four times or whatever?
0: Up to four times, yeah. So significant increase in power. Uh, So, I mean, baseline Goku was probably sitting at like eight to 10,000 maybe. Okay. Um, So, and we already saw Nail was at 42,000 when he was fighting Frieza. I mean, I I would give it... (laughs) I would give it to Piccolo to be in the same ballpark as Nail, maybe. And I think that that's even stretching it. Uh, However, I think, and we've kind of seen it multiple times throughout the show, that the Namekian fusion is insanely powerful. Like, not only here do we see Nail and Piccolo get an insane power increase, but when Piccolo fuses back with Kami... Uh, to fight the androids he also gets an insane power increase and then we even see in super uh, those two namekians who fight in the tournament they all kind of like fuse together with a bunch of namekians to become wildly powerful actually
1: i think in super wasn't their whole planet like fused into two people
0: yeah yeah it was an entire like civilized or well an entire humanity of of into I'll Namekians.
1: pose the question again then. Um do you think those two regret doing that after we see the end of super
0: <laughs> Now they're back on their planet like <laughs> guess it's just you and me
1: dude. So I guess we didn't have to do this.
0: <laughs> I mean
1: cool cool cool
0: <laughs> I guess we don't really know if there's a way to undo it. Maybe there is a way to undo it. Hmm. Maybe they'll explore that in the future.
1: Uh, see, I'm, there's always an undo button in Dragon Ball. The, the it's I always mean, there.
0: I think they. I think even it might be in the manga. I think there's at one point there they say they could use the Dragon Balls to undo
1: it. I'm sure they could. even didn't didn't the was it the Patara earrings or whatever they're called didn't those become un like you could reverse that at some point. <sighs>
0: they technically had some sort of stupid time limit only if you're not a god they have some sort of time limit it's just stupid
1: <laughs> yeah just just have fun with it i guess anyway um so piccolo's super strong um nail is no longer a being who exists he is just just piccolo juice up food and that's enough for piccolo to hit roughly a, a million power level
0: I mean, he's fighting on par. Like, there's there's some good exchanges here. And, I mean, this fight, it goes back and forth, right? There's a, there's a moment where you feel like Frieza's on top. And then, I mean, Frieza even, like, damn near drowns Piccolo.
1: Which I, I wanted mean, to bring that up, too, because uh, what do you think the effectiveness of choking somebody while they're underwater is?
0: <laughs> I mean... Maybe they're trying to like make them draw breath so that they're they're not like holding.
1: You can't do I that when you're being know, choked, man. though. You did, nothing goes through there. Is that the whole point of choking somebody? I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just it, laughed at it, just choking are, them
1: underwater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're sorry. being
0: extra chokes or extra. <laughs> ex, ex, you definitely,
1: even if you do breathe, it's water. Like it's real messed uh, up, man. <laughs> So anyway, this is, this is like a repeated, like measuring stick battle, um, where each one of them kind of keeps upping the ante as they battle it out. Also, this is not one of my favorite as far as choreography. It is a lot of just kind of blurry armed key blasts. Like a lot of the stuff that I would consider, um, cheap animations, like resource wise,
0: it yeah, it has a little bit of blurry arms. It it has a few like, I mean, clearly designed out choreography scenes. It's very m- middle of the road. It, it doesn't have anything like standout set pieces for me. I would say uh, there is a moment where Piccolo takes off his weighted clothing, and apparently that still matters.
1: <laughs> what, uh, what is that? A hundred kilos. <laughs> <laughs> The, um, yeah, I, the, the only little piece of choreography that I really did like is there's a scene where uh, Piccolo and Frieza throw some punches at each other and Frieza turns and hits Piccolo with his tail, right? Because he's an alien. Yeah. You have an alien tail. Well, Piccolo responds with while he's flying away, reaching out his stretchy arms and grabbing Frieza. I love them showing off that weird alien stuff that they can do. It's like it felt really cool.
0: I felt the same about that scene. I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are aliens. They are going to fight at least a little bit differently than we expect two humans or even two Saiyans to fight.
1: Yeah, like, Uh, and that sort of thing was fun. I just wanted more of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with you there. It does kind of come to the culmination of Frieza being like, I mean, yeah, you're strong, but... I'm only using a fraction of my power Ooh. and I've got two more transformations.
1: <laughs> oh my god. I I love Dragon Ball sometimes. That is it's one of the most Dragon Ball things you can do is say one I'm not using all my power. You, you haven't even seen my full power yet. And the other one being like, "No, nah, I also have transformation. I have two transformations.
0: excuse me, this isn't even my final form."
1: <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love that trope in dragon ball just give me more of it like i hope frieza has seven more transformations honestly i well uh, actually i guess (laughs) depending (laughs) on how you measure things there might be a few more down the road um yeah but this is where frieza decides to whip out one of those two transformations and just like um every time everyone sits around and watches as frieza begins this transformation as red energy kind of leaks out and pours over frieza's body and we see the the kind of devilish form that frieza did have begin to distort and elongate we see spikes popping out of frieza's back and the shoulder pads i guess that's can you call them pads i don't know it's part of frieza's body shoulder organs begin like shooting out and frieza's head begins to elongate like a xenomorph from aliens as frieza enters what i think is frieza's most hideous monstrous form
0: this is one of his coolest forms and it's it's well spoilers it's not around for very long but this is i mean at this point piccolo is kind of sizing up frieza in this new form and obviously frieza's going to be more powerful right but piccolo thinks oh you know he's got all this bulk to him i'm just gonna outspeed him and frieza shows piccolo that that is a bad idea very quickly as frieza kind of zips out in front of piccolo and cuts him off multiple times
1: yeah and piccolo is i mean he's not ready for this big power increase and we see him kind of start receiving brutal blow after brutal blow as he's beaten back And I mean, Frieza's on a whole different level and could easily finish off Piccolo in a heartbeat if he wanted to, but being an evil tyrant, you don't want to give them the easy way out. And this is where we see Frieza using what I consider to be one of Frieza's most iconic moves. He begins shooting these little pinpoint lasers that just are incredibly hard to block and see and starts just, Picking apart Piccolo one little shot at a time in rapid succession. And Piccolo just has to sit there and just kind of, I guess, watch his own body be ripped apart kind of little puncture by little puncture at a time.
0: Yeah. This like death beam barrage is super cool as Piccolo's getting just annihilated and our the rest of our, our heroes are kind of watching on the side and Gohan starts to he's had enough like he can't just sit there and watch his teacher get murdered by this new form of Frieza and so Gohan takes off ready to intervene and Krillin starts to take off after him trying to save Gohan but Vegeta quickly grabs Krillin and says you're not going to be of any use in this fight I need you to hurt me within an inch of my life (laughs)
1: and okay vegeta's plan is to have krillin hurt him and then use dinde's healing that he had just learned about to kind of get that saiyan boost right i've got to ask is this an exploit this feels like an exploit
0: saiyan's using cheat codes man (laughs)
1: like why wouldn't it just like if i could do that Why don't Vegeta and Goku just do that to each other back and forth until they're infinitely strong, right? Like, why just do that all the time? Why even train? All right.
0: First, you kick me in the nuts and then I'll kick
1: you in the nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Just do that forever until you're gods. I (laughs) just (laughs) I don't know. I dig the idea of it. I actually if that would work, I actually hate that.
0: I mean, there's a few things. I think that there's a few like very thin reasons why they don't do that all the time. One being, I mean, do you really want to have your stomach blown out uh, multiple times in a day? Like feel as if you're basically being killed and have that sort of pain and experience that multiple times. Uh, The other one. Uh, They have Dragon
1: Balls. Just wish to not feel pain
0: i mean you got a point there <laughs> uh, the uh, dragon balls do kind of negate any points that i'm gonna make but oh, okay uh, they,
1: they negate all points <laughs> unless your point is god i wish there were more dragon balls that's a great point
0: exactly uh the only other one being that i would bet uh i mean vegeta's in kind of like dire straits here so it's kind of like a last last ditch effort but I bet that the Saiyans or Vegeta and Goku in particular also are thinking like, ah, that's kind of like cheating. I feel like I want to earn it. I want to train and get powerful.
1: Yeah. I, I always viewed it as like, as they, as they battle and fight and when they're pushed to their limit, they kind of like escalate their power. They kind of hit a point where just like, all right, I've, crashed into my my barriers and blew past them but in doing that i also kind of ruined my own body and just like can't bite anymore so when i recover well my body's recovered enough to actually be able to withstand that barrier i ca- crashed through so they, that's kind of my logic i had in my head where it was the, it was the actual battle part of it that allowed them to increase their power not necessarily the recovery part
0: yeah i see what you mean and i mean i i think that they if they if it happens to them naturally in combat, I think they're you know they're all about it. But yeah, I I could see them not wanting to do it as this sort of exploit that Vegeta is using in this moment. I just
1: love that that's what he's doing. That that's an exploit. That's a goddamn ex- ban. That guy from the game. Yeah, he's cheating, man. <laughs> just uh, I mean, I I love him racing that question though because if you're a brutal tactician and you only care about winning at the end of the day. Why would you not think about that or give it a shot? It's, I mean, I love that he's asking that question.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, of course, Dende with the healing powers makes it much easier to do that here too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that pretty much takes us to the end of this episode as Piccolo's basically being destroyed and they're trying to figure out what can we do to gain an advantage here against this third form Frieza who still has one more transformation up his sleeve. Uh, and that kind of brings us to the end of our coverage for today's episodes. What did you think about this set Dayton?
1: Honestly, this set had some of my favorite moments in, in all of Dragon Ball, just Goku arriving unseen and taking out the Ginyu forces. Just, I mean, that's one of my top moments in all of Dragon Ball. And I do think that they did a decent job of of getting all the good points across um i mean i feel like we had all the right shots like the epic shots that you remember clearly and goku got to kind of have his moment in the sun right now there were a couple things that i can critique a little bit that have to do with the pacing like krillin being basically killed and then coming back in the same episode felt kind of jarringly quick um and I mean, there's also always that I have no idea how much time has gone by. So as I'm watching this, I have no sense of, you know, how far away is this guy? When is he going to get there? How long has Nail been laying on the ground? I have no idea. How much time did he buy?
0: Yeah, and the pacing feels just a little bit weird. It feels better than the Saiyan arc, but there is supposed to be, you know, days and days and days of time pass. And it, it doesn't always feel like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the, the endings to some of the episodes feel a little bit weird because they clearly weren't meant to be like the end of an episode or like a cliffhanger. Like it's designed in the original 300 episodes of dragon ball Z. Yeah. But I would agree with you overall. I like it. I like the pacing. It does cut out a lot of the fluff and, in general it gives me a good overall experience i think it sometimes removes a little bit of like the the build up and the tension uh, it's it's a weird mix but i think they've kind of done the best with the material that they have available
1: yeah i think i think it's good um nothing in here was so jarring that i didn't enjoy it um and there were a couple of the uh redone frames that looked a little out of place to me but it wasn't as egregious as last episodes of instant transmission none of them really like took me out of the moment
0: yeah i agree i definitely noticed them when they came up fortunately i don't think that they were used in any like big scenes except maybe frieza's power up which kind of bothered me um but as long as they keep them to a minimum and they're not in big scenes i'm not overly bothered by them i suppose
1: i mean they don't um, they don't improve it from what i can tell it's just how much do they take away whenever they do it which is kind of sad um but it's it's fine i'm just here for the good old dragon ball content and i'm still getting almost entirely what i want so i'm not i'm not going to complain too much i still think it's very good
0: yeah yeah i would definitely agree with you uh but i think that pretty much wraps up our coverage for this did you have anything else you wanted to discuss on this topic dayton
1: uh nope i think i've beaten this dead horse enough
0: (laughs) well i think then that's going to be it for this episode of instant transmission where we discuss everything dragon ball this has been your host todd
1: and dayton
0: be sure to join us next time as we burst our way out of a healing pod into part two of the frieza arc Woo! Frieza's xenomorph form is proving to be too much for the Piccolo-nail fusion. Our hero's last hope lies in the power of the Saiyans as Krillin prepares to mortally wound Vegeta and Goku inches his way closer to full recovery.
1: Yeah, Krillin's still useful! (laughs) Can
0: Vegeta and Goku take on Frieza's final transformation? Has Piccolo become irrelevant again after just three episodes? Do you think Frieza was a professional super monkey ball player? Find out a next time. And to all our fellow Dragon Ball fans, stay safe out there and remember to keep rocking the dragon.
1: Dude, this is why we need TV.
0: <laughs> na na